This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, my friends. Yes, a place to be inspired, informed, and hopefully entertained on the parenting journey. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, parent coach, positive discipline trainer, and even more importantly, mother to two children who teach me every single day about how to practice showing up in a way that is helpful, connected, and humble who also point out when I am not showing up that way. (laughs) When we choose into joyful courage, we are choosing into rejoicing in the opportunities for self-growth and discovery that exist on the parenting journey. Yes, I did say rejoicing in those opportunities and it's work, but so worth it. The path we are searching for is in our practice. Super grateful you're here to practice with me. Thank you so much for being a part of the community. Enjoy the show. Hey, listeners, I am really excited about today's show. I have Genevieve Simperingham on the show today. Genevieve is a counselor an aware parenting instructor, an educator, a writer, an international speaker, a group facilitator. She teaches meditation and is the founder of the Peaceful Parent Institute in New Zealand. Over the last 24 years, Genevieve has presented hundreds of workshops and courses. She and her husband have parented their two children who are now 20 and 15 with attachment principles from the beginning. Genevieve is committed to empowering parents with the tools that result in increased harmony, trust, and cooperation in the family unit. I was just saying off air to Genevieve, I found her through her Facebook group, which is called The Way of the Peaceful Parent years ago. And I'm so, so honored to say, welcome to the podcast, Genevieve. Thank you, Casey. It is so good to be on air. And we've had, you know, some exciting little interchange um, through Facebook. And so I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Oh, man. Me too. Me too. Please share with the listeners a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm in New Zealand. Um, I'm Irish. That's the accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but been living here for about 18 years now. And um, so, yeah, so I run the Peaceful Parents Institute. So I run a lot of 
workshops and seminars and also do professional development with early childhood teachers, which I find really exciting. As you can imagine, Casey, it's so good mm -hmm. to be bringing these concepts in to communities of very, very young preschool age children. And the teachers tend to just absolutely lap it up and they, they just need more strategies and they love these strategies that are more relationship based mm -hmm. and the same with the parents that I work with. So yeah, I work with a lot of parents and teachers in different capacities and I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work, counseling and parent coaching. I've got a membership site and run e-courses and forums and through that. And um, yeah, just helping all you know, parents in all different capacities um, with all, you name it, I've heard yes. it, all the different <laughs> problems. I have heard it, yeah. And all of, you know, I wish I could kind of connect more the teenage issues, the parents who are parenting the teens with the younger ones because invariably the parents of the teenagers say, I wish I had done all of this from the mm -hmm. beginning and I had done it properly because then I wouldn't be dealing with as much as what I'm dealing with now. Right. Uh, yeah. So this is me and there's, it's not just me. There's Tabitha who works for me. I, I, I just would be so lost without her these mm. days. She's amazing and an amazing group of um, peaceful parenting mentors and admins. And yeah, so we do good stuff, chipping Yay. away. Sometimes, Casey, it feels like just a drop in the ocean and other times it feels like, yeah, we're making a difference in the world. And that's what really lights me up. That's where my passion is. And I won't go into my history. It's a huge history. I've got, you know, lots of different trainings that um, behind me and also just a huge amount of experience from my own personal healing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from a childhood of actually pretty extreme trauma and violence and, you know, sexual violence mm -hmm. and neglect, which, um, you know, it's not that I... I, I can't say I'm glad I had the childhood I have, but I can definitely say that in having the difficulties that I had in my you know early years of life, I have certainly made the most of transforming myself and my trauma and then using that knowledge and that information and those skills to bring to people I work with because most people, they're dealing with trauma to one extent or another. It mm -hmm. may not be the extreme and Actually, there's a lot of the extreme stuff. So, you know, I bring together that information of healing trauma and counseling skills, but also mindfulness and meditation is a really big part of me, who I am, my that I've been meditating for 30 years. And I like to share some of that with the parents and the individuals and the groups that I work with. So, um, yeah. And of course, my children. Mm -hmm. I know it's a cliche to say they're my biggest teachers, but they really are and they have been. And, and it's amazing. It's, it's Sometimes I feel a bit guilty because it's a little bit like this um, social experiment. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. I ask them these deep questions sometimes, you know, to, yeah. to get the insight. How is it from the perspective of somebody who has grown up with that level of connection and listening and attunement mm -hmm. from the beginning. It's amazing because you do, there's not a lot of them around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I recently yeah. told my daughter, I, I thanked her. I said, you know, I just want to thank you for some of the choices and decisions that you've been making lately because I'm getting approached by clients who are having a hard time with their teenagers. Mm. And now I get to speak from experience. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And that actually is really powerful. You know, I had one gal say, if you didn't have a teen daughter, I would not have hired you. 
<laughs> so, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. there is something I, to be for the experience of being in it while also supporting others. Yeah. And I used to get that a lot when, when my children were still, you know, in the, those younger years mm -hmm. and I was running lots of parenting seminars and invariably there'd be somebody who'd say, so how old are you kids? So your oldest is nine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you haven't hit the teenage years yet, have you? And there'd be this knowing <laughs> lock of, yeah, well, let's see how you navigate that. You know, so yeah. it's really good to be able to say my oldest is about to turn 21, you know, and <sighs> And so it's not that, of course, that I have personal experience of of every challenge, but mm -hmm. whatever age your child is at, you kind of enter that world, don't you? Because yeah. it's not just your children, but it's all of their friends and their parents. You enter the world of five-year-olds, the world mm -hmm. of eight-year-olds, the world of 16-year-olds I'm about to enter. Yeah. 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 Well, I just so appreciate just all of it, the whole tapestry of, of who you are and what you bring to your work. And I really appreciate the way that you have. And I, you know, I, I think this is something that I try to support parents with as well as really looking at instead of being stuck in the my models, my childhood you know, this was everything that was wrong with it, really recognizing that because of whatever showed up in our childhood, we get to have a certain flavor of awareness. We get to have, you know, different opportunities of recognizing Definitely. who we want to be in the world and how we want to take that and learn and grow from it. Yeah. Um, so thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that yeah. acknowledgement. And yeah. it gives, it really does give you such depths of empathy and understanding mm -hmm. for those, you know, the darker territories of whatever it is, whatever the challenges um, that you face, it, it gives you the gift really of being able to connect with other people who are having similar challenges or who have experienced similar challenges. Yeah. And uh, listeners, I'm not sure you've caught on yet, but the territory that we're going to be exploring on today's show is that of peaceful parenting our teenagers. Right. So like you said, I've run classes where there's parents of really young kids and then there's parents of maybe middle school age kids and the parents of the middle school age kids are looking longingly at the parents of the young kids thinking, where would I yeah. be right now had I started this work earlier? While the parents of the little, yeah. little kids are looking at the parents of the older kids thinking, I can't wait till my kids are old enough to articulate what they need to me and we can run family meetings and do mm -hmm. some of the things that feel out of reach when they're really young. But let's just start first. So we are going to focus on teens, but let's start first with when you talk about peaceful parenting, Genevieve, can you define what it means to you and how it is different from some of the more mainstream behaviorist parenting approaches? Yeah, sure. And I'll try to be brief because obviously that's a big subject, but mm -hmm. I loved how you said that you really resonate with the way of the peaceful parent, that title, and that you've read the book, The, the Way of the Peaceful Warrior, yeah. which I really love. Um, so I defined peaceful parenting before I realized that there was anybody else who had even kind of used that. But there was, there was mm -hmm. Dr. Mama who had the Facebook page already at that stage. And so I was already running parenting courses 
And I have to say a huge influence for me is Aware Parenting and the work of Dr. Aletha Salter. And I am, an, you know, a level two Aware Parenting instructor. So I really have to always give Aletha credit that she's been one of my big teachers and I've learned a lot from her and from her books. And yet I had to create my own branding, a different definition, because there's so many other influences mm -hmm. that play a big, big part in my work as well. And so also in fairness to Aletha, that I didn't want to misrepresent her work. And so I developed the Peaceful Parenting brand and that company. I changed my company name about 12 years ago to um, because I had been running a lot of different courses in lots of different subjects. Um, and then I decided to really specialize in parenting because I've been doing this work for about 25 years or so. But about 12 years ago, I specialized in the parenting and developed the Peaceful Parenting brand. And it was my husband one day, we were having a conversation about my business and he was saying, he said, Jen, yours is the way of the peaceful parent. <laughs> Love he just it. said it like that. And uh -huh. I went, oh my gosh, you know, it was one of those epiphany moments. I'm like, that's it, that's it. You've just, you've just nailed it. You've just absolutely nailed it. And because uh, we both knew exactly what he was talking about mm -hmm. and you've read the book and, mm -hmm. and there'll be listeners who haven't, but really it's about bringing into your parenting not just how we should respond in this situation, that situation and our different uh, approaches and techniques, which are really, really important. Mm -hmm. But it's all about who we are as a person mm -hmm. and who our child is as a person and the dynamic and the energy um, between us. And so peaceful parenting to me, it's it becomes a lifestyle for people when they mm -hmm. really tap into it and they uh, and they start to look at parenting in a different way. And they start with the techniques and they start using active listening and they start using more requests instead of demands. And they'll start to do more problem solving rather than always um, imposing the solutions on the kids. So as they're helping the children develop their own critical thinking and problem solving skills. And they'll start by using more I statements rather than blaming language. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned family meetings and they'll start to practice things like that and bring into limit setting and the love and the connection. But parents soon find that it's not enough, that they can't just switch into using more respectful communication because they still have a lot of impatience and judgments and resentments inside of them that they project onto their children. So then they start to peel out backwards. And this is what I'm supporting parents to do is to look at what's happening inside of you when you make a request of your child and they, you know, they're defiant and they talk back to you. What happens in you? What does it trigger in you? What does it bring up? And that brings the parent into the whole world of um, looking at at their, their own heart, really, mm -hmm. and their childhood patterns. And um, I developed a, a model called Center Connect Communicate. Mm -hmm. And the cent centering is all about uh, how can we as parents be more patient and more genuinely kind, genuinely caring, genuinely empathetic, not just pretending to be empathetic to try and get the compliance, but actually genuinely caring in a way that our child feels it. How can we do that? And to do that, we need to 
um, get centered mm -hmm. and to get centered and to be less angry and to be more patient, we need to decrease our stress. So now we move into the whole world of stress management, stress reduction, self-care and healing trauma and changing patterns and yeah. changing belief systems. And of course, this is all my counseling work and training that all comes in here. And so I teach parents a lot of this stuff. And so the Center Connect Communicate model really is about putting the center, centering to get centered, which basically just means to connect inside yourself in the way that you're self-aware. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. You're mm -hmm. mindful. Mm-hmm. You're truly present. You know what's going on inside of yourself. And you've got a way of managing that to change your state from impatience back to patience. And then connecting is about 
connecting with our children in ways that they really feel connected to. And like what makes you feel connected with a friend or, or me, uh, Casey, it's similar to our kids, you know, when somebody really, really, really listens to us and mm -hmm. somebody laughs with us and, you know, shares our interests and really, really listens and really gives us their time, then we feel connected and we can't just use the problem solving and the I statements and the requests and the loving limits if we're not putting enough time into really playing with our children and for you and me with our, our teenagers, it's really showing an interest in their world and having laughs with them and playing card games and being silly and going on walks and doing adventures and listening and, you know, time, connection and affection and eye contact. So Centre Connect Communicates is a model I developed to, to put the centering and the connecting right in front before the communication. So it was, it's not just a nice idea or something that you kind of add in extra, mm -hmm. but it's actually forms the foundation of the rela relationship because if we can't get centered and manage our own stress and if we're not prioritizing the time to really connect with our child then the family meetings the i statements the problem solving whatever communication techniques you use they're not going to work we're not going to have the influence yeah. and this yeah. is as tr very true with the teenagers maybe even more so it's true at every age so i hope that was coherent enough and made sense so oh yeah well what um, i love genevieve is um and this is something that's so fun right i have this venue i have this podcast and then i find myself having access to people like you and others who are doing their work and their part of the world and making a difference. And there is this beautiful thread really that is woven through all of this great work, which is what you're just speaking into. Like we have to do our own inner work. Right. Yeah. And like you said at the top our you know, it sounds cliche, but our children are our teachers. I think our kids pick us to show us where our gaps in learning mm -hmm. are so that we then get to you know, celebrate the fact that there's more growth and development to be done on our end. And, and I love to say that the most powerful tool that we have for influencing behavior is our relationship with our kids. Mm. And yeah, you can't ask curiosity questions and have it be helpful if you're not actually curious. <laughs> like Empathy yeah. is not empathy yeah. if you're not feeling empathy. Yeah. <laughs> So exactly. like, yeah. And so I yeah. love bringing people on and hearing the different language that's used. So I like to say, you know, bring, how do we bring empathy to life in our body? How do we embody yes. empathy? How do we embody curiosity? So it's just, I'm over here holding back going, yes, yes, yes. Loving yeah. everything <laughs> that you're talking about. Loving that can center and connect comes before communicate just Beautiful. And then, so moving us into the conversation around teenagers. Yeah. And remember, listeners, you might not have a teenager, but you will. But you will, do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give yeah. you um, a little bit of context. Well, I'm going to give everybody some context around how this conversation came to be that yeah. we're having yeah. right now, which is I love to crowdsource. I love to hear what the people think about things. And so last fall... I wanted to get a feel for how, what was the popular opinion around boys hanging out in the girls' room? 
in the teenager's <laughs> room, right? And yeah. you saw the, the response. Yeah, you I saw did. it was crazy. Oh my gosh. I don't think it, I've it ever I've never yeah. posted anything that and it was on my personal page that got mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was on fire. I couldn't it was believe. On fire. And initially, yeah. you know, it was those straight from the hip. Hell no. What do you want to be a grandparent? Mind you, I never said anything about like, should I let them have sex in her room? I just but, simply said, yeah. What's your policy? And everybody immediately went to to sex. Yeah, yeah. sex, right? Yeah. And so, and then slowly my parent educator friends showed up and and other friends and saying, like, well, you know, I think that it's more there's more to this than just do ya, don't ya. And and then you reached out to me via Messenger yeah. and we had a great conversation about that. So, okay, so this is just one example. It could have been any, you know, all of the risky behavior we think about when we think about teens. But why is it that it's so hard or it appears to be so hard to be this, like, what is the hangup around being a peaceful parent and our teenagers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you find is the biggest hangup for parents when you're trying to support them in navigating <sighs> the, the teen years? <laughs> well. I think this is true at every age in different ways, but particularly with the teenagers, there are a lot of old, archaic, unhelpful belief systems that that parents need to challenge. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of prejudice towards teenagers. I think generally teenagers um, are seen to be, you know, just potential troublemakers. <laughs> and we're watching you guys. We know what you guys get up to. Here, here's an example. Okay, so just yesterday, I collected my daughter from the airport after three weeks in Vietnam. And my daughter, she's 15, and she had this amazing opportunity to go to Vietnam for three weeks with this group of school kids. So the 12 girls are all around the same sort of age. And um, I know most, uh, some of these girls, or I at least know them to see. But anyway, my daughter knows them well. And they had had three weeks together with the teachers and a guide and they had this amazing time. And it just so happened that the group that my my girl was with were similar to her in that they're actually, they're not interested in in drinking alcohol. And I know that that's not the same. In fact, she does go to parties where, where her friends do drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this had been a, a trip where they were so, so focused on their experience, whether it was they, they did a community project and uh, and they did an amazing trek and they did a cooking class. And wow. so they were so absorbed in their experience. And really the furthest thing from their minds was finding a way of getting drunk or mm-hmm. finding a guy they could have sex with down an alleyway or whatever, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> just wasn't really on their agenda, you know, uh-huh. and I'm not saying that for some kids that wouldn't be, but then they stopped in the, they, they had a five hour stop over in Hong Kong airport and the girls said they wanted to go and look around the shops and the teacher said, okay, but girls, no alcohol, no smoking cigarettes, don't, you know, and gave them this list of Mm -hmm. things that they shouldn't do. And this was after three weeks of, I guess, talking about the ground rules all the time. Mm -hmm. And 
Aisha said, my daughter said she was so disappointed and that all of her friends were so disappointed because as I said to her, it was as if the teacher hadn't got to know them, you know, mm -hmm. that here they were, you know, just projecting the worst onto them. They were just thinking about it's a new airport. How exciting. We're going to lock around the shops and maybe go and get some food. And mm -hmm. and they're being given the warning. OK, don't get drunk. Don't have sex. <laughs> yeah. Know? And so you ask me, what are the biggest blocks? You know, that that example. And, and I'm not bagging that teacher. I'm hugely grateful to her. You know, she mm -hmm. she looked after our, our girls for three weeks and and bless her for that. And she wouldn't have seen anything wrong with what she was saying. But hopefully I'm demonstrating how unnecessary that is, how redundant it is. It's not helpful. If she did have reason to to be concerned about one of those girls for whatever reason that she had picked up, that that girl actually, she did catch her trying to drink some alcohol or whatever, then the thing to do would be to have a little one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, I noticed that you wanted to drink and do you sometimes drink and let's have a chat about it. You know, a heart to heart, person to person, human to human conversation where the teacher is centered and yeah. connecting, connecting like in a real human to human way. That's what's needed. But but those cliches of, hey, you're teenagers. I know what you teenagers do. You get into risky behavior. And they're just old, archaic projections that get projected onto teenagers all the time and they really get in the way of relationships like the adults should be relating with these mm -hmm. kids and getting to know them rather than just um putting them in the cliche box oh man and even as i'm sitting here again nodding my head i'm also simultaneously thinking oh gosh i do that i do it i do it mm -hmm. i say don't do anything don't do anything stupid or, you know, and sometimes it's kind of light, jokey, but I do that. And I think that it's mm -hmm. this, it's this, you're right, this archaic belief system. It's my own <laughs> yeah. really awesome choices as a teenager. <sighs> and, and like really being called like I've never been before or even never really understood what it meant to be called into trust at the level that yeah. is being called for right now. So how do we help ourselves anchor in to trust and, and really explore yeah. what trust means? Because teens are teens make mistakes and they do dumb things. That's they how do. their, their brains do. are wired for, yeah. you know, poor yeah. risk assessment. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. trust you know, and maybe it's defining it, like or redefining because it's not yeah, like I trust that you will never it. make a mistake because that would yeah, be yeah. we'll be set up for disappointment. So what is exactly let's and, talk and a little we'll bit be about putting that. unrealistic expectations on them because some parents do that. Some parents say, I know you would never drink and I know you wouldn't want to have sex with a boy and I know mm -hmm. that you were a good kid. And and of course, that's not realistic and not helpful either. And that's basically saying, you know, I'm putting you in that box mm -hmm. and I expect you to stay in that box. And there was there was a party that my daughter was going to go to and the invite it was a sweet 16 birthday party. And the invite said BYO alcohol. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. okay, here we go. <laughs> it begins. I've been through this with my son, you know, reaching that stage of, you know, where they're at parties where they're, they're drinking and mm -hmm. kids are drinking. And rather than I could have said to her, I don't think you would want to drink. But if I said that to her and she was thinking of drinking, then 
it creates a disconnect from the beginning. So mm -hmm. I purposely framed my question more openly than that. And I said, what about you? You know, what do you think about drinking and have you thought about trying alcohol? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what are your thoughts and feelings about it? So can you hear the difference? So the difference is that I, I set it up in a way that if you are thinking about that or if you have been thinking about it or if you have done it, then let's talk about it and with that nice, the centering and the connecting mm -hmm. and nice calm tone of voice. And so I think a lot of it's around reframing and like when you, oh, Casey, you know, don't do anything stupid. And <laughs> um, so I use that as an example, of course, you know, and it's these kind of cliches that we can come out with because it's what was said to us and that's what other parents say. And this is what I mean about we just, you know, it's just examining it and these beliefs and we sort of do that one at a time. We can't do all of them. It's right. sort of when, when we say something then and our child gives us that lock, they go, hang on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> well, like and it's so <laughs> like, it feels like the stakes are so high. They are. There's, oh my gosh, they're so high. And I, you know, I've worked with clients. I've got clients at the moment and in the past and ah, big stuff. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the suicide rate in New Zealand is is one of the highest in the world, mm -hmm. actually. And um, yeah, and so suicide attempts and overdoses and um, yeah, the stakes are so high. And I use exactly those words often when I'm talking about to parents of the younger kids. Mm -hmm. I say to them, you know, when it gets to teenage years, the stakes are so high. And so, you know. They need to get it right in the beginning. So we need to reframe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even when, you know, and this was really helpful to me as I was like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> a couple months ago, I took out my, I'm a positive discipline trainer. So I took out my positive discipline for teenagers books. And one of the sections was, and listeners, you may have heard me say this before. One of the sections was, Will kids who are raised with positive discipline rebel? And the response was something like, you know, positive discipline does not change brain development, you know, and the difference with kids who have been raised with positive discipline often is instead of going underground or waiting till they're out of the house, they tend to, you know, do their rebelling right in front of us and tell us mm -hmm. all about it. And so you know, what I heard you say with your language tweak with your daughter around the party and the alcohol use is you sending the message of I'm available. Mm. I can handle having these conversations with you. Mm. And mm. I think that that's really powerful. When I think about my own mistakes when or my own risky behavior, never in my mind did it occur to me that I could talk to my parents about the things I was curious about. Yeah. Or that I could oh have gosh, a conversation. No yeah. Way. I mean, it was, yeah, no way. Yeah. And so, so I'm wondering now, okay, so the conversation goes on and the response is, yeah, I'm kind of, I kind of want to check this out. I want to try mm. this. Open lines of communication all the way. Right. It really is the key. But yeah. then, and then we're like, you know, like standing there. Oh, thank you for being honest. Thank you for sharing with me. And, you know, there's this like piece of, um, that it's like this, and I'm moving my body back. It's like a tightrope, right? It's like yeah, yeah. that balance yeah. of I'm here for you. I'm available. I want you to talk to me. And I also don't want to say, yeah, do whatever you want. You know, check it out. 
Hey friends, just popping in here because it's April and the Joyful Courage 10 is in full swing. I am having the best time getting to know the moms and dads that said yes to that 10 day experience. And I want you to know that what we're leading up to is a really amazing opportunity in the month of May. I'm going to be leading a five week program called the Joyful Courage Academy. The goal of the program is for participants to gain confidence and clarity, as well as practical tools for navigating the parenting journey. It's a five-week program. The first week we will explore our foundation and our roots. The second week is all about relationship. The third week is about unconditional love. The fourth week is all about leadership. And finally, we'll finish up the program taking a deep look at wisdom and intuition. I am so excited for this program. Participants will enjoy a interactive workbook, weekly live webinars that will include time for Q&A, and each person that goes through the program will be invited to schedule two coaching calls with me. Because of that one-on-one attention that I get to give to the participants, I am holding the space for 20 parents, 20 parents. If you know that you are a yes to this program, head on over to joyfulcourage.com slash academy. That's joyfulcourage.com slash A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. And you can get all signed up and ready to roll for May. So excited. So excited. Thanks so much for being a part of the community. Uh, you know, Casey, it amazed me, actually, and we want to talk about the bedroom and the, the bedroom and the sex stuff. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. But um, the alcohol one is a huge one. And it amazed me when my son reached that age of about... Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. 14, 15, and now, uh, you know, uh, I've just seen it so much. And also on Facebook threads on yeah, yeah, my yeah. own page about alcohol, that the vast majority of parents believe that it's better to let the kids drink alcohol at home from actually seems to be from about 14. When they get to 15, most parents are buying alcohol for their teenagers. And with the belief, and it seems to be a really strong belief in our society that we want to help them get used to drinking alcohol in moderation at home under our roof. And so sometimes, you know, when parents says that to me and I say, and so do you also let them smoke marijuana and take some other drugs in Mm -hmm. moderation at home so as they can kind of get used to it in a safe environment? And, you know, that sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? Well, yeah, well I live in Washington has- State where weed is legal. So you know what? That is not very far-fetched to just go. I mean, the other stuff, yes. But marijuana, I'm guessing, is kind of starting to be that same kind of thing as alcohol, yeah. where it's like, well, if you do it with me, you know. But I think the, think the difference is that those parents who are letting their letting their kids smoke marijuana at home and most you know a lot of kids do start smoking at home Mm -hmm. and it's really it's about usually it's about roping the kids into that culture because they don't want the kids to disapprove of them and they don't Mm -hmm. want to their kids to be bagging them about it um but though the parents who are letting their kids smoke marijuana at home don't tend to brag about it, don't talk, tend to talk about it as if it's a really good thing. But most parents do talk about how they alcohol. let their kids smoke or drink alcohol at home huh. in moderation. Like, you know, they really, really just genuinely believe that they are doing the best thing for their oh. kids. And you're probably picking up the, I don't, you know, I don't advocate that. That's not the way uh, of the peaceful parent. <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. Uh, you know, I, I often say I teach people how to set limits and how to hold limits and how mm-hmm. to how, how to maintain the relationship and the connection while holding limits. And I don't like to get too much into what those limits should be, because right. it is very, very individual to each family and to each child. And, you know, and uh, so I try and stay out of that territory. Mm-hmm. But I think in this conversation about the alcohol at home, I'm going to just sort of stick my neck out and say how I feel about it, because I want parents to really question really questioned that belief that, oh, you know, it's a good thing that I'm letting my kids drink alcohol at home because there is actually a lot of research that shows, you know, the negative effects of alcohol on the developing brain. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't think most of those parents are aware of that and their kids certainly aren't aware of it. And the first time that my son was going to be drinking alcohol, it was a school ball and he bought alcohol with his friends, you know, they bought it. And I can't, I think he was, I think he was 17 and which, yeah, and he was going to be drinking. And I said to him, you know, honey, 
I know it is your choice and I can't make you not drink. And I certainly don't want to make you feel, you know, judged by me because I love you and look after you no matter what. Um, but I do, I do want you to learn a little bit more about the effects of alcohol on the brain. Mm -hmm. So as you know why I wouldn't recommend it. And so as you can just bring that information in. And I said to him, so, okay, you say you're going to drink um, you're probably going to drink whether I agree with it or not. And but will you watch three video clips and that I'll find? And I'll try and find the ones that are the most efficient rather than like a whole hour long documentary with heaps of science that's kind of boring and silly, you know? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. And so that's what I did. And so I, I found some video clips that, that had some graphics and described what it does to the brain and how it affects the brain and the, some of the research that shows that, you know, that drinking alcohol in those early years years affects particularly um, memory retention mm -hmm. and you know he's he I can't say that he you know he wasn't a teenager who didn't drink at all mm -hmm. but we threw a really big party for his 18th mm -hmm. and he was drinking at that 18th party but at the end of the evening he was like just fully there with cleaning up and taking mm -hmm. down the marquee and, you know, organizing the kids who didn't seem to have a lift or the ones who had got really drunk or who had vomited out on the grass or whatever. And, you know, he, he had, it's not that he, I think he did get drunk, but he didn't get to that point of being silly. You know, he's 21 now yeah. and he, he does drink, but he definitely drinks in moderation. And so that's the, you know, I'm happy with the fact that he is continuing to do self-care. And the first time that he did drink, when I picked him up, Casey, I said to him, OK, you know, you've had a couple of drinks here. Have this big glass of water with lots of vitamin C and because yeah. this is going to help your body cleanse and detox. And, yeah. and then and then the next morning talk about, you know, have fruit for breakfast maybe to start with because that's really cleansing. And so in, instead of just giving him heaps of lecturing, I already helping him to know how he can bring his body back to health and balance, you know, yeah. so it's just, it's a different approach. It's such a different approach and I love it. And I love, I'm so glad. Thank you for all the detail. I really appreciated hearing you say, you know, ultimately I can't control you and you're going to make your choices. Mm. And I know that my daughter has appreciated me saying that, acknowledging that, um, yeah. And that's no small thing because I no. like to control things. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm a self-confessed control freak. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's I, for and, sure. And I appreciate too, you know, I think it's such a different road when the parent, like we can be not a fan of their choices while still standing by them and helping them navigate through. You know, yeah. and I think that, you know, even when they're little and we talk about well, how you respond is definitely going to influence outcome, you know, it, that carries on and is true how we respond, you know, you responding with, hey, listen, this is how you can take, you've had a couple drinks, this is how you can take care of yourself and not assume that I think there's this whole idea of, well, if you don't do something to him, he's going to know. 
that he can, quote, get away with get that. Get away with it. Yeah. And so it's only going to get worse. Worse. Whereas yeah. even when it is like, okay, I'm going to do something and we punish and we, here's the consequences. I mean, how many teenagers then say, wow, I'm not going to do that again because I got in big trouble. No. no. I mean, no. I guess there's probably some in the short term, who knows, but no. But ultimately no. it just means I can't trust my parent yeah. and I've got to get better at being sneaky and pulling this off. Exactly. And then it ups that, that whole excitement factor around yeah. the behavior, yeah. which is, you know, triggers the brain and oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. so useful. Yeah, exactly. Hey, there was... um. There's this parent educator and author, Thomas Gordon. Are you familiar with the work of Thomas Gordon? He wrote parent effectiveness training and teacher effectiveness training. And he started these parenting programs back in the um, 80s, I think. And uh, amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, it's still run uh, throughout mm -hmm. around I the world. I think I've had guests. I think Larissa Dunn came oh, on. Yeah. Or Larissa Dan, she, I, I've had guests who are pet, P-E-T, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it, him. that's it. And, you know, just as I credit Aletha Soldier, I've never met Thomas Gordon, but I, I have to credit him that you know, his work has definitely had a huge influence on me and my work. But something really interesting in the beginning of parent effectiveness training is that he said that he didn't anticipate this himself, but when he started running the parenting programs that... He learned through the families doing the work and using those techniques that mm. they largely escaped the teenage rebellion. And Aletha Salter, she oh. says the same, you know, and um, and I've got a couple of the a couple of the administrators who and peaceful parenting mentors who I work really closely with, who've got teenagers and this is their experience as well. And it's not that the kids don't go through all of those stages of development, but if there isn't a big power struggle between the parent and the child, then the kid doesn't have to fight back because, you know, we mm. all know that those stages of the development in developing their autonomy at two and three, whatever mm. extent they didn't succeed there, they're going to have another damn good go at it as 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And they all go through big changes around that 13 age, especially. And I you know, one day I, when I have more time, I am going to write a book, especially for that transition, because it's so Please. it's Thank so you. important. <laughs> it's so huge. And so often things come really unstuck there and the relationship really suffers um, because they do experience intense hormonal changes. And I mm -hmm. say to the moms, you know, think about PMT or you call a PMS there and multiply mm -hmm. by a thousand. That's what they go through. But um, so they will go through their stages of developing autonomy and developing their individuality. But when there isn't huge power struggles between the parents, it doesn't have to become a battleground. Certainly with my 21 year old, it never did yeah. become a battleground. My girl is nearly 16 and I just can't imagine it. You know, she she does. She does. She's into a lot of similar things to how I am. You know, we do yoga classes together and she's really into her vegetarian and vegan cooking. And um, we do raw food cleanses and water fast and things like that. You know, they're both really, really into looking after themselves. And I just told her today that I booked her 
booked us all in as a family to a weekend of yoga festival, which is like yoga meditation. So great. And she's like, yeah. oh my gosh, she is like over, you know, over the moon with the excitement. So, you know, that they, they didn't rebel. And I was always told when they were young, because I was such a, people saw me to be such a food Nazi, you know, the high, I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a big fan of processed food and sugar and all of that. And in fact, I'm equally as passionate about food as I am about peaceful parenting. So my kids have grown up with a ridiculously healthy diet and and I've been way more strict. I could use that word, but of course, it's not in the authoritarian way in that the food in this, in, like you just unlikely to find the junk, you know, if you do, it's like it's chocolate raw food cake made with, you know, berries and cacao and that sort of thing. So it's not, it's not a bag of chocolate chips in the pantry. Like I was just indulging in what? It was dark chocolate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was always told they are going to rebel and they're going to eat McDonald's and fast foods and all of that. And I just... I just couldn't imagine it, you know, and 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 it's to, and it's because I just didn't do it in the way of being strict in the way of shaming them. I always let them know it's your choice. If you wanted to mm-hmm. eat meat, of course you could eat meat. That's your choice. But I have always educated them, so they're very very educated. So that's the approach that I have tended to take is a lot of education around why we make the choices we do. And so then as they get older, then there's more and more, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for protecting me from all those chemicals and, you know, all the nasty stuff. Um, So it doesn't... I can't wait. I can't wait for the thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have not heard thank you. (laughs) It's okay. Well, and I think that what I'm hearing you say is we shouldn't like be in fighter stance simply because we have teenagers. And they are going to navigate the world and they are the ones that are ultimately in charge of their choices. And better than, you know, laying down any, you know, quote laws or throwing down the hammer is really being in relationship and being supportive of them and meeting them where they're at in a way that allows them to have a more critical view of what they're doing versus I'm going to do this because you don't want me to. Yeah, exactly. And because you are telling me I can't. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And for me, Like some of the things that have shown up in the last few months have actually brought like sometimes it's this is the way I describe it. It's like things happen and my teenager pulls away and the teen angst shows up and there's like it's like she's brick by brick building a wall and then something happens, whether it's, oh, mom, I have to tell you something that I did or I find out about something, something is a catalyst and it's like the wall cracks Mm. and it gives her an opportunity to step through it and come back Mm. to me. And it's a really interesting, and we'll see if it continues to play out this way. I don't know if it's a hormonal thing. I'm not really sure about the why it happens, but I just noticed like sometimes these, you know, challenging moments are actually creating the space for her to step back into relationship with me. And it's really in those moments, we are closer than we were before. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it just really has been teaching me so much about trust, 
and about surrender mm. and about allowing her the space she needs to make the decisions mm. and, and to learn from them. Mm. Right. And to learn from them. So, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I could talk to you for three oh, more hours. Really? We ha you have oh, got to come back on. Really? We have a million things to it's, talk about. Yeah. It's, it's such a huge topic. <laughs> it's always so beautiful, isn't it, Casey, when you come back to that beautiful heart connection, when yeah. the walls come down, when the heart softens again. And it's such a relief yeah. to come out of that highly defended state, isn't it? It's like when we're yeah. in it, we can feel our muscles are tight and tense and our heart is hard and it's always such a relief when we come back to that softness of heart it's beautiful yeah. and um, yeah. and they don't know how to do that they don't know how to get back to that connection that softness of heart necessarily but the more we can do it for them then the more I guess they get yeah. better at doing it themselves and you know my kids they they often have been quicker than me to do that softening and that reconnecting and saying something like, mom, you just seem really stressed. And then I'll just kind of yeah. break down and go, oh, God, you're right. You know, and then I realize <laughs> I've just been my tone of voice is just horrible and I'm all tight and tense, yeah. you know, and but and so sometimes, you know, they often have been the ones to like, that's a connecting moment, you know, that's a, a mm -hmm. softening. And they've learned to do that from me doing it to them when they're being all gnarly and growly and and tense yeah. and defensive. And I respond with, oh, sweetheart, you just seem so stressed, hey, so stressed. Everything's really hard, isn't it, at the moment? And just connecting back in. And uh, yeah, yeah, and that comes back, doesn't it, to the self-work as well, isn't it? Because yep. we lose the connection with ourselves sometimes and then we can't really connect with other people. But when we have a good meditation or that beautiful walk in nature or something mm -hmm. that softens mm -hmm. us, then we think about her child in her mind and go, oh, actually, I've been a bit critical, haven't I? And you come <laughs> back and you're all sweetie, lovey-dovey and, you know, hey, yeah. well, I make you your favorite thing. And, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. And so, Genevieve, I always finish my conversations with the same question for my guests. Yeah. So I have this question for you, which is in the context of peaceful parenting our teenagers, what does joyful courage mean to you? Joyful courage mean to me. Uh, so joyful courage to me, actually it connects me with that last bit that we were just talking about. To me, it, it's about joy we feel in the heart, don't we? Most of us, most of us. Mm. And it takes a lot of courage to reconnect. So to me, it's yeah. about the opening the heart and allowing the joy, the enjoyment of the relationship, of the connection to um, to come back in. And that takes courage. It takes courage to be vulnerable again. It's easier mm -hmm. to be hard and defensive and stern. And it takes courage to open the heart and come back into the the joy of that beautiful connection again. Mm, thank you. Will you please remind the listeners where they can find you and follow your work? Yeah. So, yeah, my Facebook page is the way of the peaceful parent, but my website is peacefulparent.com. 
dot com. So peaceful parent singular, not an S at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my website. And there's lots of good stuff there. There's lots of good articles and, you know, membership and e-courses and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, do come and connect and say hi. Yay. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and spending time with me. Oh, yeah, you too. It's been great. Thank you, Katie. Joyful Courage community, you're amazing. Big thanks and love to my team, including my producer, Chris Mann at Podshaper. Be sure to join in the discussion over at the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group page, as well as the Joyful Courage business page on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can view the current Joyful Courage swag over at the webpage, intention cards, bracelets, e-course offers, the membership program, one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's all waiting for you to take a look. Simply head to www.joyfulcourage.com slash yes. That's joyfulcourage.com slash Y-E-S to find more support for your conscious parenting journey. Any comments or feedback about this show or any others can be sent to Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. Reach out, take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat and trust that everyone is going to be okay. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 